This is Betty Collins, and we are Inspiring Women, presented by Bradyware. This is the podcast that advances women towards economic, social, and political achievement. I am here to inspire you to take steps to the next level in your career. Thanks for listening and investing your time in yourself. More about Inspiring Women in this episode can be found at bradyware.com slash resources. So today I get to um, do an interview for my podcast. I like to do that at times. Um, I'm fortunate enough to live in Columbus, Ohio, and there's just a lot of women in business or women business owners that either have a great story, they've had success, and um, I could do I could do podcasts weekly just on that. I mean, Columbus is a thriving town. And um, so today I really wanted to um, interview Haley Boeing. And she's the co-founder of StoryForge. Um, and I've got to experience StoryForge, uh, just go through that, through the, an organization I'm involved with, which is NABO, which is the Columbus Charter. NABO is the National Association of Women Business Owners. And we're the Columbus chapter, and we're the largest chapter. And like any organization, you go through crossroads in time where you're like, which way do we go? And we can do 100 things, or maybe we should do two things really well, and so she came in, her and her firm, to kind of help us get on the same page. And so that's been my experience. So welcome today, Haley. We're glad that you're with us. And we're going to talk about several things. Um, but I tell you, I love your website. And I had looked at it um, probably a year ago when we started this whole thing, or probably six months ago, whatever it was, with um, helping Nabo kind of get on the same page and tell our story. And I love your line. As soon as you click on it, it says, when you have a story comma, the right story, (laughs) everything changes. And the other thing that caught my attention, I loved customers become evangelists. Okay. That's, that's just, first of all, you don't hear that word a lot evangelists. Employees get fully engaged. That's become a very hot topic if you can achieve that. And decision-making gets simplified, which we're on 24 seven. So man, that could be awesome. Innovation accelerates, and at the end of the day, your marketing costs go down. That's awesome, right? So, Haley, I want you to first tell us a little bit about StoryForge, and then I want to talk a little bit about your story. So, go ahead. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. It's it's always a delight to to talk with you, and and we could probably talk for four hours. So, getting this into a couple (laughs) minutes will be challenging for us. So, Story StoryForge was founded by uh, by my business partner and I about six years ago, and it came out of uh, some insights that both of us had had separately throughout mm. our careers about what made businesses successful. Yeah. Um, because I I had worked in the large corporate environment for 17 years, um, doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions. So I had seen hundreds of businesses sure. and noticed differences between them, those that were successful, those that were able to really succeed and come out the other end of a crisis stronger and those for whom a crisis or a challenge or growth, um, even some of those positive things, would um, would see these businesses crumble and fall. My business partner had been on the marketing side. So okay. I had seen it from an internal side and he from an external side. And so as we began talking about our observations and our beliefs in business, um, this idea about what story can do for you as, as an organization – uh, began to form, and the clarity that we got um, through studying hundreds of businesses uh, has proven itself to be true over the yeah. last six years. So we've worked with hundreds of companies, and we found that um, there are a few pieces of a company's story 
that when they have these pieces in place, when they're clear about them and they've had the insights necessary to articulate them, it makes all the difference. Sure. I get that because it really did with NABO when we experienced, I mean, all of a sudden I could go talk differently, you know, and are we doing anything different? I don't think it's, it's how we say it. It's how we talk about ourselves. It's how we get that. So, well, you said it earlier. It's also about decision-making. Yeah. So every business, every organization has a story, right? The question is whether they've been intentional about forming that story. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they've let the world create the story for them, because your story, your brand uh, is really a collection of all the stories, the stories you tell about yourself and the stories that other people tell about you. And you can let that happen in the universe, or you can try to influence it by being very clear yourself about who you are, what you're trying to achieve, what you believe, what you stand for, and what it is that you as a business do that's unique, what differentiates you from all of your competitors in the marketplace. So tell us about your story of entrepreneurship. Mm. I took this 17-year, maybe safe deal and said, I'm doing this. Yeah. Tell your story with that. Yeah, I often call myself an accidental entrepreneur. So that would be 50% of them. <laughs> 50%. Yeah, I don't come from uh, from a family of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, it always seemed like a crazy idea that r- yeah. risk takers, um, which I don't consider myself a risk taker, um, would uh, would endeavor to, to try to become. Right. Um, it was a strange animal. But I had the opportunity after this 17-year uh, career in the corporate world to rethink uh, what I wanted to do with my life, which is a wonderful gift. Right. Um, So being able to consider um, what unique skills I had, what are my superpowers that I can bring to the world, and how do I want to apply those superpowers to help others? Right. And StoryForge, the idea of creating a business uh, like StoryForge came from that. Um, This desire to do meaningful work, uh, meaningful for me, meaningful for my my clients, but also meaningful for the world around us. Right. Um, was really born from that. Something that has intrigued me is because I'm, a, I'm an accountant. I don't even think I have a story, but I, I, I do. I know I do. <laughs> but the name Story Forge being one, um, I always like to know where that came from. You know, uh, how did that come together? Well, it's interesting. In our process, as we work, uh, work through our process with businesses, there are a lot of amazing raw materials. Okay, right. Uh, so that's part of our discovery, and you remember this as we worked together, was digging in and understanding the objective realities of the business and learning about our stakeholders and mapping them and understanding the beliefs and the yeah. uh, vision that was there at the founding of whatever our business was. All of these great raw materials are just raw materials. They're inert. Yeah. But when you forge them together, they become an even stronger material than they were in their incomplete parts. Yeah. Um, So for me, as I think about StoryForge, that's what it is. Um, Often people forge their stories from the outside in. Okay. So I have people call me regularly and say, do I need an Instagram account? And how can I uh, better improve my digital marketing? Yeah. All questions that I cannot answer. Not because I'm not qualified to, but because I don't understand what their business is is intending to do. Yeah. So without having those fundamental answers, without understanding the DNA of your business and what you're really trying to achieve – all of those tactical questions are meaningless. Yeah. You know, when I think of forging, um, there, my husband likes that show, Fire Forge, where they're making the knives. Yeah. I, I hate the show, but I watch it, right? But I, well, the one thing I always 
look at is when they they're working hard. They're, and it's of course it's reality TV, so none of it's reality, right? But they dip when they dip it in the fire, and it comes out. The piece is solid now. There's something about that, and so I think when I think of your forge, I think of the same thing that the story has come together. And now, wow. Yeah, we know. call it, and, and you'll remember this because you were there for that moment with with our NABO work. Yeah. We call it the kicking over the tables moment. Yeah. It's the moment where the discovery has, has been completed. Yeah. And we've done the hard work as a leadership team to debate and have really intensive dialogues about, right. do we want A or B, C or D? Are we going this way or that way? And we codify our thinking about those essential questions of the business and when it all comes together, when it's all mm-hmm. forged, it is like going in that water and coming right. out a stronger metal, yeah. a forged story. Um, we often have to hold leaders back because they want to kick the tables out, run out the door, and start screaming it from the mountaintops. Yeah. Um, but there is a second important phase to this work, and that's where many businesses actually uh, fail in this work. is not necessarily not forging the correct story, but yeah. figuring out what to do with the story after you have it. Right. Because a really, truly meaningful story is not just a story that's told, but it's a story that's lived. Yeah. Um, and that's the work that I know the board of NABO is doing right now, is right. thinking about all the different aspects of the organization, yeah. from people to process to place to positioning to philanthropy, right? and making sure that what we do is in alignment with what we say. Right. Well, one of the things, um, you know, you have a definite a passion for women, um, we experienced that from the beginning of time when we you were interviewing the board and we were going through it. Um, one of the things that I loved when that you said was to us because we were talking about the different why we why we're on the board. We're women in business. Why are we business owners? All those things. One of the things you said to me that I I never stopped thinking about was let's not wait another decade to accomplish something as women and. And I've thought about that ever since we talked about that. So your passion for women and your passion for the time is now is so there. Um, you know, tell tell me what, you know, because I'm looking at we just started a new decade. So everyone's saying that. It's kind of the buzzword. But it's my last decade to work. You know, sometimes I say that out loud and I go, oh, <laughs> yay. And then I, then I go, oh, did I do enough? Did I get what I needed? Did I... All those things come to play where you're thinking about legacy and stuff. But for you, what would you love as a women business owner and someone who doesn't want us to wait 10 years or 100? What's on your mind when you think about those things that you don't want to see us wait? And let's let's execute. It's a tough question, but. Yeah, something I think I see a lot, but especially with women business owners, with many entrepreneurs, but especially women, is we keep our nose to the grindstone. Mm-hmm. We're in the day-to-day operations of the business and trying to make things incrementally better every day. Right. We don't often give ourselves the luxury of stepping back, pulling up our head, looking out at the horizon and saying, not where do I want to be this week, next week, this quarter, next quarter, mm-hmm. but what does 10 years from now look like? Right. What do I want my legacy to be? What do I want to have accomplished? You know, there is something to that truism that uh, we underestimate what we can do in 10 years and overestimate what we can do in one. Yes, that's a great saying. And I, I try to keep that in mind, especially when I'm working with my, our clients, because we 
people think too small sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to swing for the fences, we have to look out in a distance to be able to get there. We can't just look at the day-to-day operations. So I think for me, for women business owners, I would love to see more of us give ourselves that opportunity right? to reflect, to think long-term, to think big, sustainable growth for our business yeah. and sustainable impact for our stakeholders, for our customers, our clients, our families, ourselves. Correct. What are we really working toward? What's all this about? So say that one more time, not the whole thing. <laughs> Say one more time. So we we overthink. We do too much in a year, but not enough in ten. Say that again. Yeah, we I often love and that. I know I do this yeah. every day. I overestimate what I think I can get done in a day. I yeah. leave every day with things on my to do list. It's just typical. So we we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in ten. Right. I love that. And I so that, that that often keeps us thinking in short termism, right, rather than really thinking the long term. So everybody goes to their own school. So Haley went to the hard knocks of Haley. <laughs> and Or you got your MBA in something that, oh, I wasn't expecting to learn this, but I did. In these last six years, especially from going from corporate America to you're now a business owner. I mean, for me, it was a huge change when I just wanted to be an employee. I wanted somebody signing my check. I didn't want to be the signer, right? Tell us what you know, maybe a thing or two of what you learned getting that MBA in the last six years of business that you would want an, a, a woman-owned business owner to to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's interesting. There was a moment for me when I left the corporate world and I was with a group of other executives, uh, VPs and above from uh, from businesses that were transitioning out of their prior careers and into their new one. We were sitting around a table doing introductions. And everyone introduced themselves the same way. Hmm. They said, hello, my name is Haley Boning, and I used to be the vice president of internal communications at L Brands. Okay. Hi, my name is Ted Smith, and I was the chief financial officer of blank company. And this went around about 12 people. Wow. And then it came to me, and I said, we've got to stop doing this. We have to stop defining ourselves by the title that we have. CEO, entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. vice president. We have to rethink how we define ourselves and our identity. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could think about what our unique skill set is, the thing that we do better than anyone else that exists at an intersection of a need in the world that we now can uniquely fill. And if we could talk about ourselves that way, wouldn't that be more meaningful? And wouldn't that help us- frame our identity around something bigger than a paycheck. What did the 12 people around the table do? They go, uh. There was a lot of that. <laughs> There's like, yeah. There was a lot of that. But it did change. You know, if, yeah. you, if you ask people, uh, if you ask people the right questions, mm-hmm. they will give you far more meaningful answers. Yeah. What's something you really feel like in the last, in your career in general? I know for me, I look back and say, I wish I would have been an owner sooner. I wish I would have jumped into entrepreneur sooner. When you look back um, over your career, over the stuff that you've accomplished, what do you look back and go, if I had to do it again, what would I say to Haley, who was 30 and 40? And, you know, what would you, what would, is there anything that comes to your mind when you think about? It's mm. good. I think maybe two different Haley's. Okay. So if I could go back 
to the Haley in her 20s, mm-hmm. uh, starting out in the corporate world and looking at all of these people with these very big titles, with these very big offices. At the time, I thought that being a leader meant having all the answers. Mm. And that somehow if I worked hard enough and if I learned everything I could learn and I had the right mentors, that someday I too could be a leader and have all the answers. Right. And now I realize that being a leader doesn't mean having the answers. It means having the right questions. Yes. And I think that Very good. Diff- that insight could have served me well in my 20s. Yeah. When I started the business, if I think about those early days of StoryForge, there were two lessons that I learned that now we apply and it's made all the difference. One is to be very, very clear about who you are, what you stand for, who you serve, and how you serve them, and be willing to say no to clients. Mm. Because I'm a people pleaser. I like people to be happy. Sure. Um, But that's not the best approach when you're a business owner or when you're in sales or doing business development. Um, It's really making sure that you're the right fit for that client and that the client's the right fit for you. Right. Very good. Great insight. Now, um, I've known you for a little while, and I've heard you talk about an organization that you're very involved with. Mm. Um, I know enough about it to be dangerous, but I love the title, Conscious Capitalism. Yes. And I would love for you to talk about that, because I'm a big fan of the marketplace. The marketplace in our country is um, crucial. I mean, it's not about how much money can we make or greed, any of those things. What To me, it is... If you have an idea and a passion, you have the ability to do it, and you have an environment that allows you to do it. And if you're fortunate enough, you one day have employees, you know, because you're an employer, and those employees are are families, which are households that that form communities. I mean, it all works together. And when the U.S. is successful, the country is successful, the world is because we have we have the abilities here to do things. When it's mixed with really bad things, you know, it, it doesn't do well. But when it's really good, it's really good. So I'm a huge fan of I get to be a CPA in this environment, in this country, and do things. So I'm very intrigued by what is this organization. So I'd like for you to talk about that. Yeah, well, thank you for asking about yeah. that because I'm, I am very passionate about conscious capitalism. And I love the combination of the two words. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when I go out and I speak with audiences – Generally, each audience has some concern with one of those two words. Mm-hmm. Either I'm in an audience of people that say, oh, capitalism, of course, fantastic, best thing that best thing since sliced bread. Right. What's this consciousness word you keep throwing in there? Right. What's this woo-woo you're trying to add to my capitalism? What's the guilt thing? No, no. Exactly. But, but when I talk with younger people, mm-hmm. I was recently out at Denison University talking with some sure. of their um, commerce department, and mm-hmm. there were a lot of students who said, uh, consciousness, absolutely. Capitalism, I'm not so sure about that word. Um, But when you ask them what they want to do when they grow up, they all want to be business people. They all want to be entrepreneurs. But capitalism itself has a big PR problem right now. It does. And Conscious Capitalism was born from a book that was written by two gentlemen who you probably have heard of, John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods, Mm -hmm. and Raj uh, Sushoda, who is the uh, professor of business at Babson College. And it was codifying a way of thinking about business that wasn't just John's idea. It was a number of different business leaders um, had been practicing business this way, recognizing that um, business both can and should be a force for good in the world. 
mm-hmm. that capitalism itself is one of the greatest inventions that we've had and has done more to lift people out of poverty um, sure. than, than many things in the last couple hundred years, but that people have misused capitalism. Yeah. And because of that, we have a crisis on our hands. Right. We need to reinvent capitalism. There's been a lot of talk um, recently, just as recently, I think, as uh, as this week, Jamie Diamond was talking about reinventing capitalism yeah. um, in Time magazine. We know that the Business Roundtable has come out and redefined the purpose of business to include a purpose uh, bigger than profitability mm-hmm. because they see the cracks in this right. um, system. So we believe that business is good because it creates value right? at its most um, essential it creates value and it's ethical because it's based on voluntary exchange. Sure. Um, it's noble because we know that when done more consciously, business can actually elevate our existence. And that's the world that we want to create. So right. conscious capitalism is, a, is an international movement. There are hundreds of thousands of people all around the globe um, from Sydney to Columbus, Ohio, right. Sydney, Australia to Columbus, Ohio, all um, working to advance this idea of business as a force for good. And we think about business in terms of four principles. The first, which I've already mentioned, is that business should have a purpose bigger than profitability. Mm-hmm. Profitability is necessary. Right. Without margin, there's no mission. Right. But the purpose of the business should be to solve some need in the world. Uh, And that profitability helps to drive that. But just like I need red blood cells every day to live, it's not my reason for existence. I don't get up every day and think, thank God, another day I can create red blood cells. (laughs) So that idea of purpose, um, Mm -hmm. a purpose bigger than profitability is the first tenet. The second is a stakeholder orientation. So understanding that um, a business doesn't just have one stakeholder, the shareholder. Yeah. It has multiple stakeholders, employees, Bam. community, shareholders, investors, um, partners, vendors. All of right. these stakeholders need to be considered. And when we have an orientation to them, when we understand and are thoughtful about the impact and the value that we create for each of them, we're more conscious. Yeah. Uh, and then understanding that both leadership and culture have an important role to play in the success of business. Right. I mean, I have two kids who who said I will never be in business. Um, I would never be a CPA, and, and they made sure of that. I have a daughter who's a teacher because it's what she loves, and um, I I have a son who is a minister because that's what he loves. And my daughter is more like me. She's a spender. <laughs> She's one of those consumers, right? But my son and I have had long debates on capitalism, and um, I always remind him that capitalism puts you through college. Please remember that, because <laughs> it did. And he will tell me, I just need provision from somebody so I can do what I do in life. And so we both see it, and we talk more about, we're coming together more with it, uh, because there is good capitalism out there. And it, 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 the marketplace is so very, very necessary. Uh, when Nabo met with, the round ta- uh, with a roundtable with the Governor DeWine, I just said, the marketplace has to really be held high so that the taxation can do more than just run our government. There's there's tremendous need out there. There are people who can't do and, and have what, what I have. And so it's a system that has to work really well. And when it's not run well, it's a bad deal, you yeah. know. So I – 
I really learned about when I came to Bradyware in 2012, one of the things I did was re, um, read Simon Simic's book and did the Y University, and I had somebody help me come together. And I came up with my whole why being because I have 150 employees who are families who need health insurance, who need to live in, you know, to have provision that, that forms those communities and households. I mean, it just became a whole new way to think about it. So then it wasn't just accounting. You know, counting is just a part of it. It's a necessary evil <laughs> that business has to have. But I always love that you've talked about that, and, and I would love to know more about it. So I wanted my audience to hear about it as well, because my son's generation, the Denison's that you're talking about, he's 28 years old, it, it will eat chicken at Joe DeLoss's place because he understands Joe DeLoss. Yes. And that what their whole inter- social enterprise is, that's huge for him. Yeah. Yeah, Joe DeLoss and Hot Chicken Takeover being a local yes. uh, local company that makes some damn fine uh, Nashville hot chicken. It's awesome. But more importantly than that, they, um, they are a business that was created to employ people who are difficult to employ. Right. So people who've been in the – who've been incarcerated, who are coming right. back into the workforce that many other companies would overlook. Right. Um, and I think we're beginning to – we're beginning to have a realization and insight as a country yeah. about the power of business when business thinks more consciously about who does it employ? Why does it right. employ? How does it employ? Mm-hmm. We, can make, uh, we can make a difference. We're, we have more in common than not. Right. right. We really do. There's so much more that binds us together. Uh, and unfortunately, we, there's a lack of civility, I think, in yes. conversation today, which often polarizes us. Right. But when we get down to the brass tacks of it, we all want the same things. Right. We want communities that are thriving. Mm-hmm. We want families that are thriving. Um, right. We want to leave the world a better place when we go. Absolutely. We want it to be better than it was when we found it. And you know, it's why I, I love working for Brady, where getting to be, getting to even have a women's initiative that we can, they put a lot of resource and time in. This podcast is one of those resources. And it goes just beyond that, and it goes so beyond accounting. And I think that's where you see things going. There is still reality of paying the lease and, and the electric, and, and people want to be paid well you know, because they, they, they just spend a lot on an education or they want to be valued or they have goals as well. So it all wraps together. But Well, I'm, um, sure, I'm sure you see it with your clients because you do work with so many small businesses. Sure. There's good that business does just by being in business. Yeah. Absolutely. By employing people, by enabling people to send kids to school, mm-hmm. enabling people to care for their elderly um, parents, um, all of the things that having a job and, and right. doing that job well enable you to do. Um, a lot of businesses have trouble seeing a purpose yeah. bigger than just that. Right. But we have worked with hundreds of businesses over the last six years at StoryForge. There's not been one single business that we have worked with that has not been able to articulate a purpose higher than profitability. Right. We have worked with toilet manufacturers. There you go. <laughs> we have worked with distilleries. Mm-hmm. And we've worked with accounting firms. Right. And all of them were able to find this, this more emotional, meaningful story about what they did that helped unite their teams and help them think yeah. differently about how they serve their customers. Well, this podcast is inspiring women. And I think we had a very inspiring woman today. I appreciate your passion, certainly for women, for what you've done with NABO, just telling our story. Forging, I love the force of just that word. I can picture the knife going down in the water, whatever they're putting in, I'm assuming. 
but and and then just putting business owners, women in business, men in business as a matter as this two words of conscience and capitalism together. So thank you for spending time with us today. We appreciate your efforts in coming and making time because you're you're busy and you're you do what you do well. Well, thank I'm you. Betty Collins, and I appreciate um, the opportunity to, and that I get to do a podcast that you get to listen to us today. And um, check us out on our website. Thanks. As your career advancements continue. Your financial opportunities will continue to grow. Be prepared. Visit bradyware.com slash resources to download a copy of the financial checklist for every stage of your life, everything about the Inspiring Woman's podcast, this episode, and Bradyware and Company accounting services can be found in the podcast show notes.